Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, would that you speak to us, Lord, this morning through your words. Lord, would that you speak through me, your servant. Father, I pray that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see what you are trying to reveal to us and to teach us this morning. Father, I pray that you would remove, Lord, the distractions in our minds, Father, the, the barriers that cause us not to hear your word, Lord, but allow us to receive it. Father, we love you. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, we're halfway through a three-part sermon uh, series. Last week, we talked about calling about calling and about clarity of calling. We talked about how at different stages and movements and times and epics of, epic of times in our lives that we might lose a sense of clarity of calling, of what it means to be working as a disciple of our Lord in this moment that God has you in, in whatever stage or station of life you find yourself. We talked about how, in fact, that if we do not have a clarity of calling as disciples of our Lord, something um, uh, rather uh, bad will happen. And that is we will begin to flounder. We will begin to just kind of live life without purpose. We'll begin to flounder in the Christian faith. And I charged this last time, last Sunday, to like Jeremiah to remember that each of you, every one of you this morning, has been called out just like the prophet Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. That each of you has a calling in this life, a calling in this moment of time. I challenge you to ask God this last week, what is he calling you to? What is our Lord calling you to in this moment in your life? And then finally, There was a challenge that Paul gives to us at the end of that chapter of Ephesians when he says that we have been given good works to do in this life that were prepared beforehand and that we should walk in those works. Well, brothers and sisters, this morning I want to talk about equipping. That is, what it means to be equipped in this life to live out the calling that God has given uh, to each of you. Let me say this. Um, I remember a time in, in my life early on when I felt the call to ministry. I've shared this many times with you. You probably know this, this story. Uh, I was at a, a revival at our church in small town Oklahoma. I often remind you that we did not have a tent revival. Tents were too expensive. We had it inside the church. And at that moment, the Lord called me to preach his gospel. And what I didn't realize, though, that, that, it, that it would take, I guess, many, many years and is still an ongoing process of me being equipped to minister in this position. But I want to remind each of you that your calling that the Lord has placed upon your life is one that He, by His grace, will achieve within you, but He has been and is equipping you, or at least trying to equip you, if you will allow Him. That our entire lives are a bit of an equipping, aren't they? And that if we view equipping as only taking place in a Sunday school class or 
by watching or listening to a three-part sermon series, then you're sadly mistaken. That is a, a small portion of the equipping that God is wanting to do in your life, an equipping that takes an entire lifetime. As I preached about last Sunday and mentioned briefly that time in Colorado up on the mountain, uh, there was this moment that we were talking about, yes, the clarity of calling, but also the equipping that God gives to each of us as Christians to live out our calling. And the, the teacher, the leader, the priest who was leading the discussion said something that I will never forget and I want to share with you all this morning. That oftentimes in our lives, um, our, our equipping that God has given to us, the giftings and the equipping that the Lord has imparted to you to fulfill your calling, sometimes will be ahead of our character. It will be out in front of our character. And here's what I, what I mean by that. Surely you've known someone that has been equipped for the work of ministry, right? Whether as a lay person or ordained clergy, and you're like, man, if I, could, if I only was an orator like so-and-so, or man, if I could only share the gospel like so-and-so, or if I only had these few giftings, man, it would be just, just wonderful. And, and then we see, though, that the person they're referring to has, has a fall, right? Has a great fall. Takes a lot of people down with them. Because, in fact, their character had not been molded. And it had not been shaped in accordance with their equipping. So I want to remind you all this morning, brothers and sisters, that the Lord is trying to equip you, and he has in many ways equipped you with giftings to live the Christian life, but he is also trying to get a hold of our character. That is, he is trying to conform us to the image of his son. That way our virtue, our holiness matches the giftings and the calling that he has given to us in this life. Let us, turn, let us turn now to Moses in Exodus chapter 4. I invite you to turn there in your pew Bible, page 47. For those who don't want to have to look it up, page 47, Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. Now let me give a bit of background before we move into our section that began in verse 10. Just before verse 10, we have this moment, okay, post-burning bush. The Lord has already appeared in a burning bush to Moses, has said, you are going to go to my people and you're going to tell them that I am the Lord and you are going to give that truth to them. You're going to lead my people. He's been called. But then we move to chapter four and there are those three signs. Do you remember the three signs that were given to Moses? The first was the staff, right? The Lord said, and you can find this in the first of chapter four, the Lord said to Moses, look, what's that in your hand? And Moses said, a staff. And the Lord said, okay, throw the staff on the ground. He threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. Moses ran from it, but the Lord told him, put your hand out and catch it by the tail. So he did it, the first sign. A miracle in front of Moses. Then he has a second miracle. He says, put your hand inside your cloak, right? And he pulls his hand out. And what happened to the hand? Do you remember this? The hand was what? It was withered. It was white and withered. It had, it had died in a sense. Then he says, put it back under your cloak and pull it back out. And what had happened? Well, it was healed. And then we have a third and final sign. The Lord told Moses, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. And of course, it was so. Three miracles given to Moses. The Lord, in a sense, saying, I have called you. I have called you to lead my people. 
and you are following me, a God who will perform miracles, a God who is over all creation. That is, I can accomplish by my grace the calling to which I have called you. I can do it. And Moses, in this wonderful moment of glory that we've all had as Christians, right, we've seen the Lord work in our lives in a moment in time, and we have that response that Moses had. We say, Lord, this is wonderful. I am now ready to go and lead thy people to the Exodus. I am ready to lead. We have that moment, right? No, we don't. We're often like Moses. Whoa, hang on, wait. I know about these three miracles that have just blown my mind. I've seen you work these. You just did three of them. But listen, Lord, Lord, oh my Lord, I, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow to speech and of tongue, doubting immediately, doubting immediately that what God has called him to and was going to equip him for is something that couldn't, he couldn't do. I can't do it. Um, there are oftentimes, uh, there are these kind of, inside baseball moments I feel like as a priest that I want to let you guys in for a moment and say this is what every I think priest wants to preach to his people and I know I can do this because I have a loving congregation I feel like a lot of priests and a lot of pastors they want to say this but they just don't to the people we have our faults we have um, our inabilities we even have excuses sometimes for not living out and you have those in your life I have those in my life but let me remind you as Moses will experience, the Lord in his sovereignty has been equipping you to follow him, has been equipping you to lead a life as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has not left you nor forsaken you. Moses' first words, I'm not eloquent, I can't do it. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? The Lord is saying, as he did to Job, I'm over all creation, sovereign over it all. I've chosen you. I've shown myself as being a God who can perform miracles and who will do so and will help you in your ministry that I've called you to. I'm over all creation. Verse 12. Now therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But Moses said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Brothers and sisters, as your priest, there is nobody else. There's nobody else. There's us here, a family of faith in this moment in time, in our various stations in life. We are those that have been called and are being equipped in the church to live out Discipleship, to live out ministry and mission here on this earth. There is no one else. Kathy, the calling that the Lord has on your life and the equipping that's going on isn't for someone else. It's for you to live into, to trust, to trust that even in your inadequacies, and I don't know that you have many, Kathy, but those inadequacies, the Lord is going, he's going to still be with you in those, and he's going to do what he did for Moses, He's going to be with Moses' mouth that he created, but he's also going to do what? He's going to raise up someone else to help, someone else beside you. How many moments in time in ministry have you said, Lord, I want you to send somebody else, but I'm trying to be faithful, and the Lord, in your own inadequacies, in your own failings, has actually used you in spite of those 
and sometimes even raised up someone else to help you accomplish his goal, the Lord will do it. Would that we would be faithful to that. So we see here in verse 13, but Moses said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Well, there is no one else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. I love that our Lord doesn't leave Moses alone. He reminds him that he created him, that he is sovereign over the calling placed upon his life, and that he would equip him. He would make his mouth good enough, and part of that being good enough is that he would help have Aaron help Moses to lead the people. That was part of the plan. But I love how this, uh, this pericope ends. He tells him to pick up the staff, to pick up the, things that rem- the thing that reminded Moses of what? Of God's miracle-working power that he in his sovereignty would accomplish those things, those good works that he had put in front of Moses to do. And he, he is doing that for you, my brothers and sisters. He's, he's putting those good works in front of you and he's reminding you of the times that he has been with you and allowed you to do ministry in his name. Reminding you of those times in your life that he has equipped you, that he has gifted you to actually live out your calling. So as we move from clarity of calling in your life to the equipping, be reminded that the Lord in your life is equipping you, but you also must live into it. Moses had to pick up the staff and listen to God and go and to lead the people. So what is God leading you and equipping you to do in this life? I want us to move now to our gospel reading. Because we see that Jesus himself does the same thing with his disciples. Verse 18 of Matthew chapter 4. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus is saying to each of you, follow him in your life. He will equip you. He will equip you to be fishers of men and of women. But it takes us following him to do that, to live out that life. Um, The most, I think, uh, depressed that Christians can get in this life is when you feel like, and maybe it's a fact of the matter, that you're not bearing fruit, that you're not living on mission at all. You feel like you're just, again, floundering. Let me remind you. The Lord has been utilizing your life up until this point to equip you for living out that calling in your life. And what is it? What is it? I want us to press into this, my brothers and sisters, this week again. What is the calling and how have you been equipped? Think about those moments in your life in tragedy or in great times of teaching where the Lord has revealed something to you through studying his word or through discipling someone else. Those moments of good and bad and ugly, the Lord wants to utilize all of those to refine you and equip you to do his ministry in the church. He calls disciples and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 
last year, a calendar year ago, um, I remember having Chrissy print a little diagram in the order of service, which I'll never do again, by the way. I was like, I guess it was either do that or put it on a PowerPoint slide up there. But um, if we do that, I, I don't know. I might get run out of town. So we, we did this, with this little diagram. You might remember it. And we talked about how the Christian life is lived at the intersection of these four things, of being a worshiper, being someone who's in community, being someone who is catechized, and being someone who is on mission. The Christian life is lived right in the center of all of those things. So when we follow our Lord, we're following him as worshipers, as we're doing here this morning. We're following him, too, by being catechized. That's part of the equipping. We're being catechized in Sunday school, in small groups that'll be, that are already starting, in Bible study, right? We're also being um, disciples on mission when we're serving together. And finally, we're doing so in community. But all of these four things are equipping us to live the Christian life as disciples. And finally, we move to Ephesians 4. And we see this at the end, verse 11. And he gave apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Brothers and sisters, the work of ministry belongs to you. It belongs to each of you. Every husband and wife, every single person, every youth that's in here, every college person, every uh, child that's in here, third grade and above, the work of ministry belongs to you. Those of us that have been called to preach the word, to be prophets, to be evangelists, to be pastors or shepherds, to, to maintain the theological integrity of the church, our job is to equip you to do the ministry and to do so trusting in God that he will in fact accomplish what he has started in you. But Paul goes on here in Ephesians to say something else. He says um, that all this equipping is going on until we attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Finally, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, who from the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Brothers and sisters, this is the church. Each of you, having been equipped by God to fulfill a calling as a part of this body of Christ here in the world, you have been equipped and called to do so. And that when we do so, we are kept from being tossed to and fro from every wind of doctrine that is out there in the world, from every human cunning and craftiness. We are able then to speak the truth into love and finally to grow up into Christ. And all of this, Paul says, is able then, finally, for the church to be built up in love. So brothers and sisters, how have you been equipped up until this point in your life? I want you to meditate on that this week. What things in your life have happened, the good and the bad, that the Lord you know is refining you through, is teaching you to do ministry then in this parish? So have you been called? Yes. 
What is it to find out? Are you being equipped in life? Yes, you are. Let me encourage you to live into that equipping. You live into that through those areas of worship, of catechesis, of mission and community. So let me invite you, brothers and sisters, to be a part of all of those things that occur in the body of Christ so that we may finally be filled and be built up in love. Let me close with this final uh, saying here. That as we begin this fall and have so many things going on at this parish, let me remind you that the Lord desires you to follow him, to not be a spectator as a Christian. If I can say anything in closing, it's this. The Christian life is not a spectator sport. It's not coming and just being, having you know, this intellectual stimulation through Sunday school or to have beautiful worship as we do, or just to be in a fellowship group and to have community, or just to go and to serve others around the world or here in Birmingham. It's not just about those things and showing up to receive. My brothers and sisters, it is about you and I having been called and equipped, coming and serving for the good of God and of the kingdom, because that is finally how people will be brought to the faith when you and I are built up in love for the sake of the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.